0: from 39 closings to over 550 closings this year in this marketplace. Welcome back to another episode of All or Nothing in Real Estate. I'm your host, Matt Smith, the founder of All or Nothing in Real Estate. Just as a reminder, this podcast is a movement to give back to this amazing industry that has given so much to me and my family. Today, we've got a very special episode. We've got a special guest that's going to break down his journey on how he went from 39 closings to over 550 closings this year in this marketplace. So without further ado, we have Stephen Myers. What's up, Steve?
1: Hey, what's going on, man? Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, man, I've, uh, we've uh, we've been um, kind of sort of business partners for a while now in, in this cool thing called eXp Realty and met at different networking things and um, it's been awesome for me to uh, to witness your growth and your journey, and um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to dive into it today.
1: Yeah, I always appreciate your support along the way because I think you know we were one of the first people I talked to when I started a team. So it's crazy how life goes.
0: It is, man. It's crazy. You surround
1: yourself with the right people. You put in
0: a little work ethic. It's crazy what can happen, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. Dude, so for people um, to understand you a little bit, just give us a quick br- background on Steve. Who is Steve? What's his team like? Where does he operate out of? What's his business look like today?
1: Yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, I've been a real estate agent since 2018. I'm um, in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, I was born and raised here. Left a while after college. Came back. Um, and then, you know, just kind of got tired of the corporate world. So I left the corporate world in in 2018 to start uh, the real estate journey, essentially. Um, before that, I was an investor in a flipper. Uh, so it's always had a draw into the real estate world. Um, and ever since then, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I worked with Jeez, okay. <laughs> When I worked in the started in the corporate world or was in the corporate world, I took a lot of director of management jobs. So I had always had like kind of a leadership uh you know, track in my life. So the team lead role kind of was always attractive to me from the beginning. Um okay. kind of classified my, myself as a team before I was even, you know, was just a solo agent and just kind of kept on that journey. So I
0: love it, man. And um just a few short years ago, um, you started your team back when the pandemic started. Is that correct? yes yeah and so since then on that journey from starting a team during the pandemic to today you guys are going to close how many units this year 550 plus plus. 550 man that's awesome congratulations that's uh it's awesome to see that growth um during during this
1: um uh, challenging and changing market so i love it yeah i appreciate it yeah um it's been a it's definitely been a journey to, to get to 550 you know i know uh, um you know, a lot of, a lot of ups and downs along the way.
0: So yeah, we'll, dude, we'll, we'll jump we'll into the jump into those. I think a lot of people like to hear the real, uh, it's one of the things I love bringing to, uh, to the industry is that I don't b- believe in theory. I believe in proven and people like yourself that have actually went through it, um, will share the truth and the role of it's not all sunshine and rainbows. There are hard times. There are dips in the climb, right? Um, so, Let's uh let's kind of go through that, man. What are some people? Maybe there's someone watching right now that is like, you know what? I want to start building a team. Um, what what are some things that some advice that maybe you give them some some foresight to look out for as they start growing or building a team?
1: Well, I always just think like, you know, when I tell when people ask me about starting a team, I think one of the things that people have to understand is that you have to invest into a team, right? Like you have to invest your time and you have to invest your money. And I think sometimes people just think, well, you know, I'm a successful agent, or I got a lot of opportunities, and I can just start a team. But there, really, you really have to just know that you are going to be investing financially and time wise into this team if you really want a team that grows, right? I think we've all seen teams that have come and gone because they're they it's one either one agent or a couple of agents doing really well, and they just think, okay, let's do a team, but then they don't have a leadership, they don't have you know, they don't have proper systems they don't have proper people to really facilitate that growth that they need to maintain the team
0: dude that's such such a great point like you you helped remind me um as a coach being able to help people through this like that's that's thank you for that that's super helpful um like i think a lot of people struggle with getting the mindset right and a lot of people i talk to want to start start a team because it's the hip thing to do right Right. Um, and so my rule is don't start a team until you have too much business yourself that you can't handle it. That's r- step number one, right? Like right. don't just start a team when you're selling five houses a year. You're not ready to start a team. You're not right. ready to lead and manage other people. You don't have the systems in place. You don't have to lead. You don't have the things necessary to run a team correctly, in my opinion. Um, right. But I think I love that that perspective shift is just like you invest in stocks or real estate or whatever. If you're going to grow a team, you got to transfer from real estate agent to business owner. right? And a lot that's of people true. struggle making that transition. And I think it's because I wrote down three things that you said. And I think like just off the cuff here, I think these three things are key to somebody that's maybe thinking about making the transition. And number one is leadership. You have to learn the language of leadership. Leadership has its own language, right? Just like you got to go from agent to business owner, which is a whole nother transition. You also have to go from agent that is in production yourself to leading and managing other human beings. And um, a lot of great, uh, great business owners have said this is that business is easy without the people, but you can't do it without them. And you have to have someone to lead them, to manage them. And that's the toughest thing about business. And that's where especially salespeople especially real estate agents, right? It's always tough and it's a struggle. It's very rewarding, don't get me wrong, um, but it comes with its struggles and challenges. So I think the three things I wrote down um, are leadership, people, and systems. I think you have to have great leadership skills or at least a path to leadership growth. Be willing to invest in your leadership knowledge um, because the speed of the leader determines the pace of the pack. I know Steve well enough to know that he's at a lot of events that I'm at and he's constantly investing and masterminding to become better himself so that he can lead other people in a better fashion. So that's step one. Number two is you got to have great people. You have to have great people that are aligned with the vision, with the mission of where you are going. And you got to have people that are in the boat paddling together, right? I think a lot of sales environments have people that are um, for lack of a better term, they are, they're greedy and they're in it for themselves And you got to find the right people that are in it for the collective whole of what you're trying to accomplish together. Um, And then last and probably least out of these three is systems. Like, I think you can develop systems along the way. So don't wait on the systems to be perfect to get started. If you got leadership and you got people, get started and develop the systems as you go. But as you go and you want to scale, the systems are a crucial, uh, pivotal point for you to grow substantially once you get to a certain point.
1: Yeah, no, I mean they become really key, you know, later in the process for sure. I
0: mean, of those, of those three, which one of those like stick out most to you? Leadership, people, or systems?
1: I mean, you know, my background, so my you know, my background in uh college was, you know, is I'm an aerospace engineer by degree. So systems has always been something I got really well, you know. So and that's how I climbed the corporate ladder so quickly is I was able to get into, you know becoming an engineer, and then just getting into the corporate world and just, you know, using hard work and my system knowledge to kind of just find that corporate ladder really quickly. So, you know, by time I was, you know, my, you know, early, late 20s, I was managing $100 million projects, you know, because I just had a really good systems knowledge. You know, I could just, I just knew how things could be put together really quickly. So, um, and it was really weird because you know I'm in the room with a lot of the people in the in their 50s and 60s, and you know they're and this is obviously 28 is post recession. You know, there's a lot of people been laid off, and they're like like looking at you like, hey, why why were you not let go? You know, you're one of the young kids around here. And I, then they then they start working with me. And they're like, oh, I get it. You know, then you know before long they're they're coming to me for questions. You know, it was a kind of crazy world. I love it, man. And I I love I
0: love seeing the mixture of people that have massive success in the business world, especially the real estate world, Um, like aerospace engineer to real estate agent, right? Like that's just, that's just, that's a crazy leap when you just say it, right? Oh yeah. Uh, But I think what you've done is you've used your knowledge and your superpower that you got in that career, in that field and used it to make probably some of the best systems that you would see in a
1: real estate team. And that's why you're able to scale no matter what's going on in the market hundred percent. Yeah. That's definitely been a good resource. You know, something that I never thought would work, you know, but it, it ends up working really well, you know, especially, you know, when my first couple of years of being a real estate agent sucked, right? Like it was hard. Um, I didn't realize how hard it was. I kind of had maybe like a, I would say maybe a little bit of an ego, just because I was like, Oh, you know, I, you know, aerospace engineering, graduate third of my class, the corporate ladder, super successful. And no, this is going to be, I'm going to come in and be an agent, and just crush it. Right. And it just crushed me essentially. I mean, I got to the point where the, my first winter in real estate, you know, I actually was like trying to manage, uh, bills and stuff and I missed two car payments and I got my car repossessed, you know? So <laughs> that was, that was, that was really hard to be a real estate agent and not have a car. So I like had to rent a car for like a month while I was working on getting my car back. So.
0: Yeah, man. That's, um, it's, there's a, yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that about you. Um, that's crazy. Um, I've shared my story before of struggles that I that I've had. And I think what's there's a couple of things there that you said that I think are important. Um, and so you're you're not defined by your struggles, right? Like I think people like you, people that are successful, take those struggles and they hold on to them, but they don't use them to be a victim, right? They use yeah. them as a springboard to I'm never going back to that place. I'm gonna learn from that, and I'm gonna how can I use that for growth? And I think that happens with something that you said. And a lot of people, let's go back to the transition of being an agent to team leader, or even a small team to a medium team or whatever, any type of growth in this business. I think step number one for most real estate agents is you have to be able to remove your ego. You have to get rid of your ego and you have to realize it's not about you. It's about helping other people, whether that be buyers and sellers, whether that be people in your community, whether that be your agents, Whatever it is, if you truly change your focus and realize that it's not about you and you have that servant's heart and that servant's mentality, you can grow amazing things in this world, especially in this business, but it requires you to have an ego check and have that honest conversation in the mirror okay. with yourself of it's not about me. it's bigger than me, right. yeah,
1: definitely. hundred percent
0: man, I love that. um. You said something else too, and I I'm curious your your thoughts on it. So you said you got to know your strengths, right? Mike. And so your strengths are systems. And so what I what I've witnessed is that, and I've said this before, but I think this is uh this is a great phrase for real estate, great quote. Is what I've found by interviewing great people like you and being in some of the rooms and around some of the great team leaders and um just industry giants in this industry that what they have in common is everybody does it differently, but it also works differently for everybody. So what I mean by that is there are no two teams that if you send them side by side, that do things exactly alike because they have different strengths, different personalities, but the people at the top, they believe in that collaboration because they remove their ego from the equation and they collaborate and they share resources. and they learn from each other to continue to grow. And so I believe that some people focus on how do I fill my weaknesses? I have to get better at my weaknesses. I believe it's better to go all in on your strengths and find great people that help fill that gap of your weaknesses. What are your thoughts on strengths versus weaknesses?
1: Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, there's no point in, in really focusing on your weaknesses too much because you're never going to get good at them, right? You're never going to get great at right. your weaknesses. So you might, you might do a little bit better, but they're never going to be a strength. And so, yeah, really hiring people to your weaknesses is the importance. So, and I think that's where like really, you know, I found is like finding people that specialize in different areas of the business, you know, whether it's marketing, transactions, um, lead conversion, stuff like that. Like it really helps facilitate that growth and accelerates, you know, allows you to scale your business in the right way.
0: 100%. I love it, man. Um, I'm curious as a systems guy that you are, what has been the most the system that you put in play? It could have been early on. It could have been yesterday in your journey. What is a system you put in play that is like, man, that was that was a my strength really showed there. Like that really saved our business. That propelled us to the next level. What is the system that comes to mind that really stands out?
1: I mean, for for us, for me, it was like really sisu. You know, sisu really helps. I mean, even to this day, I still have all the data from back. You know, when I first started the team which is just really crucial into just understanding kind of where we've been and where we're going. And I use it every day. I mean, I'm logged into it basically all the time. I use it to coach agents. I use it to understand like business decisions, what I need to make from marketing perspectives. Um, just understands financially where I'm at. So it's been really the, the key component in growing and growing our business. So we use it at a really high level um, and and it, it just works, you know. I love it. And is that like directly integrated with your CRM
0: or is that something that you have to manually input? How does that work?
1: Yeah, we we directly integrated with follow-up boss. So we, you know, we, we use CR in the past. It was directly integrated to that. And then now into follow-up boss and, but we still do a lot of manual entry into it. Um, not so much for the agents, but like the transaction coordinators and the uh, database managers will. So Got it. Getting, getting agents to sometimes update their CSU appropriately has been a challenge. It's not a challenge, man. Let's be real. Um, It's impossible.
0: Um, So it has to be directly integrated. But um, if you need something manual, Steve gave you the trick, get someone that's on staff, someone that has an operation mindset that's task oriented and they, they will, they will take care of that for you. Uh, That's again, know your people, right. And hire to work on your strengths. Like it wouldn't make sense for us to harp on the agents to be analytical.
1: Let's go meet with people, go get transactions, right. We got the other part hundred percent. Yeah. Focus on sales. Uh, Sell more houses. That solves, that solves the problem for me. So that's right.
0: That's right, man. So um, Sisu for the data. So what is, um, I'm going to dive a little deeper on that. What is like one data point that's like a super helpful metric for you and your team that has helped you with your, I'm going to try to tie tie into your analytical brain here. Um, So what is uh, like one report, one system that is like really stands out to you that's important and crucial for you to look at consistently?
1: So what I always like to look at is really is, for me our appointments set to met metric you know i'm always okay. constantly focused on that um and then really and i'm going to that next level is like how many people are we signing to an agency agreement so i'm really focused on the agents with that kind of work cuz that allows me to kind of understand like are we having the the initial conversations are we doing a good job at that you know are we are we doing everything we can to meet them are we providing value enough before the appointment when we're at the appointment, we provide enough value that they want to sign the agency agreement. If we're not, were we missing the point. Also, I want from from their perspective is to understand like, is this a good person that we should even be working with moving forward? Because I want them to maximize their time in converting those people that we do get signed to close transactions. So so really just focusing on that with the different levels of agents, because we have agents that are, you know, that are signing over 50%. And then we have agents that are signing like 20%. So I'm always like, okay, well, how do I get you up higher? You know, because I know 50% is possible. I know where 50% is possible or 60, 70%. There may be people in that category. So where do we need to focus at sales wise with you to get you to that point? Yeah, our
0: our goal on that, we use CSU as well. Our goal is um, 80% met to sign. You're going to meet with them. them. You better get them signed or why did you meet with them? You wasted your yeah. time. Right. Exactly. And not everyone yep. like there's variables, right? Not everyone can qualify or they're not ready or whatever. Like, but um, and we're not always on target, but there has been months, there has been quarters that we are, right? And so yep.
1: um yep. I, I love that. Um yeah. So we I do so I I do mine 80, like I require uh fifty fifty percent from the appointment set because I don't really care if you meet them or not, I care if you sign them. Yeah, okay. So, like so you know, sometimes we have agents that need more people, but that, so that that's just kind of my I, I do everything off appointment set because I really want to know like if I give you an appointment what is your chance of converting that appointment whether it's met signed or closed
0: got it makes sense I love it um and I think for those of you that are listening that are um, not understand CSU, CSU is like a tracking system that tracks all the metrics, all your KPIs. And so it has like a little dashboard that shows which agent, which team at which time frame did the set to sign in Steve's example. And so I think it's just really important, especially if you're like a team leader or even if you're an agent, you got to analyze your numbers. You got to know your numbers. If you don't, if you don't measure it, you can't improve it. Right. And so I think too many agents work on accident and not enough agents work on purpose. And so, um, what we have done inside of our business is we've created a predictable real estate model. I literally can tell you within 5%, if you do this, you will accomplish that, right? Like it's, it's just math. Are you willing yeah. to do this though? And, um, it's, it's, it's crazy that people think that this business is risky. Um, and I think it's the opposite. I think that, People that aren't willing to bet for the people that aren't willing to bet on themselves, it is risky. But the people that are willing to bet on themselves, they can live a life beyond their wildest dreams. And I think being in a system like what you have created in your team and your organization would be probably very similar.
1: Yeah. No, hundred percent. I mean, it's all, it should all be predictable. Right. And that's like where like my engineering brain has, you know, just kind of was like, why do people say that? You know, like, how can you predict real estate? How, aren't you concerned about the fluctuations, you know, and you, you can, but you buy into it. Right. Cause there's people that are leaders in the industry that will say things like that, you know, not, not, not necessarily in, in our organization, but you definitely hear people say that, that are yeah. in a leadership role. And you're just like, how can you follow that person? Because that is not true.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh yeah. Um, dude, that just a re- quick tangent. That reminds me of uh I was I was on a panel speaking at an event. I won't mention the event, but I was on a panel speaking at an event, a big event, and um we were prepping for it and we were talking about the change in the market and how we can just change as a catalyst in our business. And one of the questions was how do you get through this changing market? Right. 2024, there's a lot of change. What is your plan? And right. Other people shared. Their strategy was, well, we just got to survive until 25. And I looked at him and I said, what in the hell are you talking about? Like, you got to survive till 25. Like, by the time you look back up in 25, there's going to be people like Steve, people like me that have just passed you so far, you'll never catch up. Like, that's a terrible mentality, in my opinion, right? Like, and I'm not judging like to each their own. But to me, like the competitive nature in
1: me is like, hell yeah, that come to my market. Let's go, right? I want to compete with you. And you know what? And the, the crazy thing about that, and you know, I've, obviously I've just been in real estate, just a small segment of my life, right? But I mean, when I started the team in 2020, you know, people were freaking out about the pandemic going on, right? In 2021, we had very little inventory. So there was excuses flying around. Then 2022, yep. rates started going up, and it's like, there's always these excuses. So why, why are people who are in leadership roles or that are, you know, considered maybe, you know, influencers in this industry buying into that rhetoric, you know, it just doesn't make sense.
0: I have a theory. I agree with you. It doesn't make sense, but I tried to analyze and understand people. Um, and I think a lot of times, whether it's intentional or not, a lot of people say that, and they speak those things out for a couple of reasons. Number one, their own insecurities of it gives them an out if they don't win. And number two, maybe some of the people that they're leading or if they're in a leadership role, they don't want them to feel less than or they don't want them to um they want to have them to have an out as well if they don't make it and it's okay. And I just, I believe in the exact opposite for myself and the people that I'm leading and the people that will join later. I like, I just believe in honesty and transparency and here's the work that is required. Are you willing to do it? If you are, let's fucking go. And if you're right. not, you probably need to find somewhere else to go work because we yeah. believe we're, we do shit here. We accomplish big things and we believe in living the best life that you can possibly live for yourself. Now it's you yeah. versus you run your own race. But we're here to support you in becoming the best version of you. And if you
1: don't want to be the best version of you, we're probably not the environment for you, right. No, exactly. And so I mean it almost excites me, right? Like it almost like gets me excited. Yeah. like there's like blood in the water, and it's like, yes, sir. You know, like all right. like it's time to you know, level up, right? Like that's what I'm thinking about right now. hundred percent is like, how can I, dude, I just had to stay to the
0: company with my team yesterday, and I've never been more excited? I've not had the feeling I have right now going into 2024 since 2018. And that year we went from 220 transactions to 560, right? Like that's, yeah. I had that feeling then that I have now, like I, I'm with you. While everyone else is like, la di what's going to happen? Let's wait for this. Let's wait for that. We're taking action. And um, it's uh, it's just an amazing feeling what happens when you're surrounded with the right people, you have the right strategy, you have the right leadership, and you're willing to do the work required, build the skills necessary. Like the market share you will gain in a down marketplace, where everyone else is hibernating will probably be some of the toughest things that you do. it will be the toughest market share that you gain. But I promise you, if you gain it, you will have it for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah. So put the work in now. Totally agree. It's crazy, crazy. like, I mean, you know, like getting on like the, you know, Facebook groups, the, you know, like seeing some of the conversation going on, like right now, more people are worried about the lawsuit happening and how it's going to affect their business. More people are worried about that Zillow bought a CRM and how that's going to impact their business. And I'm like, why are you guys, why are you guys focused on that? Like, that just seems something, A, you can't control. And then B, like, it doesn't help you sell any more homes. Just sell more homes.
0: That's right. I made a post today, man, is like, this: people overcomplicate this shit. This is easy. We're in a people business. Get belly button to belly button with more buyers and more sellers, and you will sell more real estate. Problem solved. Yep. Get face-to-face with more people. That's it. And if it doesn't serve that, why are you focusing on it, right? And so I say all this out of like, I'm very passionate about this. I've seen people's lives transform inside of this industry, mine included, And I want that for other people. And I think people just sugarcoat shit too much. And they're not honest with people about what it takes and what is required if they truly want to transform their life. Like it's, it requires a little bit of work. It requires a little bit of grit. It will be tough times, but if you're willing to put in the work and do the things that other people aren't willing to do, you will live the life that they won't be able to live. And it's this industry has it. And you get a choice. You get to make excuses or you get solutions but you can't have both. And so if you choose excuses, don't expect the solutions or the rewards at the end. hundred percent. Yeah. I love it, man. So let's go back to the data really quick. That was a cool tangent. I loved it. I love talking about that stuff. Uh, Let's go back to the data. Let's give people some value here. So um, I think that you and I are in some of the same rooms and I think we would be in alignment and agreements to say that Growth in organizations, whether it's an individual agent, whether it's a team leader, a broker owner, the growth comes from the gaps, right? And I think one of the things that you went through with your Sisu analogy and your data and, and all of your background really helps you find those gaps, navigate through and analyze those gaps, so that you can close those gaps and and fill the holes in the bucket, so to speak, so that you can get more out of less. I think what a lot of people are shooting at the wrong target. I said this at a conference, I said, most people are worried about they want the closings first, how do I get more sales, which awesome we're in the sales business we need more sales, but if you don't have enough sales, every single agent says if I don't have enough sales I need more what I need more leads, yeah but does more leads equal more sales, no, not a chance. It is the skill set, it is the value, it is the offer you have to provide to those leads, the quality of those leads, the way you're able to handle the conversations of those leads to convert them, that equals the closings. And so we shoot at the wrong target. It's not about getting more leads. You and I know we can go buy, we can double our lead flow tomorrow, but that won't double our sales. It's not about that. And when you understand that at a deep level and you're able to know your numbers and able to to narrow those gaps, not only do you increase the conversion, you increase the, probably the mindset in the mind space of the agents because they're more productive. They're not just wasting their time calling all these people that don't want to talk to them. They're meeting with people that are really motivated to buy and sell. And it just has all kinds of positive attributes in your business, not to mention your profit margin. Right. right. Um, and I just think that people focus on the wrong things. What are your thoughts on that?
1: No, I mean, I completely agree. And I think, you know, even like, you know, I hear like Brian Denny speak, you know, and he's like, I only work with like 30 people at a time. And I'm just like, man, that guy's crushing it with working 30 people. Then I need to go back to my agents. They need to, you know, they need to do a better job, but 100% less is more when it comes to leads. And like you said, just getting belly to belly. And if we are having an issue on you converting on those opportunities, then we have a we have a different problem we need to talk about. It's not a lead problem. But at least now we know it, right? Now we yeah. know the gap so we can work through it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's and that's what's beautiful about even being able to track that, because that's that's where we hyper focus on is like, okay, well, let's let's do better at this, you know, let's do better at lead follow-up, let's have better conversations in our lead follow-up. And just, like you said, understanding where those gaps are and just training to them. So we're, we're, you know, I'm constantly looking through the data and just being like, okay, what, you know, because even like, you know, with the amount of leads we have and the amount of appointments we have, just 1% makes a huge difference, you know, 1% increase, increase in, you know, Met met clients, signed clients, whatever that 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 impacts the business. So if we just like focus on how do we increase this one or two percent, and we just you know focus that over time and time and time again, it's going to be even more significant. And it has nothing to do with leads, right? Like it has fully to do with just the actual conversion process through through from when you originally talk to a client to when you actually close them.
0: Hundred percent, especially in today's marketplace, right? Like agents just. I shouldn't say agents, it's not the agent's fault, but the reality is as a coach, as a team leader, interviewing great people like you, like I get to see behind the scenes and behind the curtains. And one of the things that I see is that agents have the wrong expectations. The pandemic market, the unicorn market that the pandemic created that we will never, ever, ever see again.
1: Hopefully not. not
0: normal. We may see versions that are different, but it'll never be like that ever again. Right. Um, We can talk about, we can go down that rabbit hole in a minute of what I think is coming if you'd like. But um, the the pandemic market, the unicorn market that the pandemic market created set the expectations for the real estate agents that all they're supposed to work with is the people that are ready to buy and sell real estate today. And you list their house, you get five offers. It goes over asking price. Well, this business is pretty damn easy. The hardest thing to do was to find a buyer a house. I have a buyer pre-approved. I can't find them anything. That was the biggest issue that agents had. Like, could you imagine being a new agent and like, that's the biggest problem you have? Back to where you started, right? Right. Back to where you couldn't make your car payment. Like if that was your problem? (laughs) Yeah. See, but it's perspective and it's experience and it's really understanding that we we only remember what happened recently. And if agents can have, get rid of that short-term memory and realize the market we have now is way more normal than the market we had two years ago. I'm going to say that again. The market we're in now is way closer to normal than the two years ago market. And so I maybe not normal is the right word, typical. Typical is probably a better word. And I think agents have the wrong expectations. And if they would reset those expectations and realize this business has always been follow-up, it has always been nurture, it has always been build relationships with people and get belly to belly, provide value, and you will win. It's not just a numbers game of like, I answered the phone at the right time
1: yeah and i and i don't know why you know going back and looking at like that pandemic market right that post-pandemic market like this market's better like you can be more efficient with your time like who wants to go back to like having to make you know where there's 20 offers on a property and you have to you know basically go you know well over asking appraisal gap you know no, you know, no, no repairs, whatever buying as is like, who wants to go back to that? I'd rather go back to where we can find a house for the actual person that they really like, because we do have more options for them on the market and we're not getting into that, you know, rush and having to make quick decisions. And I can then write one offer, you know, show a a client a house, like five times, you know, five different houses. I know we can get one of them because it's not a crazy market. Like it just seems to me like I would much rather work in this market than that market
0: hundred percent, man. Same. Um, but again, it's just, and again, it's not the agent's fault. It's just, it's expectations were set and what they expect now is what it was. And when things change, the hardest thing for a human being to do is to change. And that's one of the struggles that we have as leaders, right? Is to helping facilitate change for our people. And so I just think having those expectations, like if you just, if you forget everything, you know, about the real estate market, and I told you, you can make, as an example, um, to be an agent on our team, our standards, you sell 20 homes a year, right? So that is that is our standard. Right. If you do that, we've broken it down to a predictable model. You have five conversations per day. Can you have five conversations with someone about real estate per day? And if you do that, you will make over six figures. Our average median income in our area is like $32,000. You will make four times the average median income if you have five conversations with someone about real estate today. Do you know how many agents on our team don't have five conversations a day? How many? Um, The majority of them. (laughs) I say it with love and I hope they hear it because they know that I love them to death. But if they would just do that a little bit more consistently over a period of time, they would have everything that they ever dreamed of. And that's what I want for them. And so I hope this is a wake up call for agents is that if you really just simplify it, you need to get face-to-face with more buyers, with more sellers, have great conversations, build your skill set along the way, and learn how to convert leads at a higher level. And this business isn't difficult. It is very simple. It just isn't easy. And So quit right. overcomplicating it. Keep it simple.
1: Yep. 100%. 100% agree.
0: Man, um, I want to break down. I, I have a little insight of your journey. One of the things that I know that you excel at, um, one of the many, is your ISA department. And so let's break down your ISA department. Maybe let's start with some of the I'm assuming it hasn't always been um, Sunshine and Rainbows. There's probably been some difficult times. Um, but before we talk about those difficult times, how many appointments per month roughly are your ISA setting right now? Uh,
1: 250
0: appointments per month <clears throat> That's amazing, man. Yeah,
1: it's been like I don't know been- if you
0: realize how amazing that is, but that that is phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been wild. Right. So um, and we just brought on a few more. So like when the only, you know, you know, everyone else is pulling back and we're like, hey, let's double down on some ISAs. So I love it. So we brought in three more ISAs um, to to train over the winter. You know, obviously get some more deals over the winter, but then also be in a position to to grab all those opportunities when the spring pops up. I love it, man.
0: So let's talk about the challenges when you were starting ISA department. What did that look like? i mean so
1: many challenges so um a lot of it is like you're just you know even to this day you know i will say this there's not really a good resource to go and figure out isas i mean there's there's definitely different coaching programs out there and i've taken about all of them to kind of try to figure it out but there still wasn't like a turnkey solution i think a lot of it goes to the differences you know like you talked about earlier like our strengths as a leader the differences in, the, in our diff, individual markets, you know, um, and the, obviously the individuals and the people that we have in our team, I think there's just so much that goes into play that I think it's hard to create a turnkey solution for people and really just expect in bad expectations. So, and it goes back into, you know, what I had to learn the hard way is that when I bring on an ISA is like, I really have to know it's an investment the first six months. Like I'm investing in that person because I'm not gonna get the return that I want in the first six months. But if I if they stay the course and we keep and we keep making the progress throughout, you know, through those months and I, we have kind of milestones that they need to hit to kind of maintain employment necessary, you know, to say um, that I know that we're going to really see the, you know, that pat, pat, past the six months. And really, if we get past the first year, then we're really going to see a huge return on that investment. So so really just it's, you know, the first year I started the ISAs in 2021. I like, I probably hired 13 ISAs and ended in, you know, over that course of the year and ended the year with two, you know, so (laughs) there's a lot of money spent, a lot of money burnt, uh, the figuring out what not to do. So, um, so yeah, so really had to figure it out the hard way. Um, you know, obviously you're just trying to figure it out as a business owner too, because I still pretty new in the business owner journey about hiring and expectations and, And leadership so just just kind of going through all those kind of strategies and that as well just obviously lead conversion and follow-up and and all that as well so yeah man and then and and then obviously at that point too we were we were handing off a lot of appointments to the agents and even then we were we were kicking out a good amount of appointments but we didn't have enough agents for those appointments to handle so which was a good problem to have that helps with recruiting later but you know, obviously it creates some frustration from the ISAs because they get paid on only on if the deal closes. So, so they were getting frustrated because they're like, well, the agents are not even following up with the lead and and just, you know, going through all those troubles as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I feel those pains of ISA department. I've had one.
0: Um, I, So I start, here's my ISA journey. I didn't have the time or capacity to build it. I knew how hard it was going to be. Um, And so I thought, well, let me just outsource it. There's people that are, I can just plug and play. It didn't work, right? It Wasted a lot yeah. of time, a lot of money, made a lot of agents mad on my team, made a lot of people in my database mad. It just, it, it was mismanaged um, partially by me, um, and it just did not work. So I said, well, I'm, if I do this ISA thing, I need them in house, right? And so let me just find find people. And um, it's it's been a journey, man. We've we've went through them. We got rid of them completely. We had up to three at one point. Um, that was working okay, not great, um, but it was okay. Um, and then, uh, we were just trying to take that next step and never could. And then it's like you said, I think a big struggle that a lot of people have with that journey is the expectations from the ISAs and the agents being in alignment and realizing we're on the same team, right? We have the same goal. And so let's work right. together and what is my role? What is my role? And working through that potential conflict that could exist, um, I think is, is yeah. a huge part 100%, of the One hundred Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, but right now, so we stopped for a whole year. I said, I'm not doing ISAs. That's um, it's not working on all the time. I'm not doing it. And now we have two ISAs. We got job ads going for ISAs again. So, um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like Steve's thought, uh, thought process is that I believe this market is going to do some wild things coming up soon. And I want to make sure that I'm prepared to take advantage of those things from my, my team and the people that believe in me. And so as a leader, I'm getting all my ducks in a row to be prepared that if something similar to the pandemic market happens again, and all this pent up demand starts to come to the market, I want to be the one that owns it.
1: Hundred percent, yeah. That's that's the focus. I mean, we're really focused on hitting 400 appointments uh, per month next year. I mean, that's really our big metric, kind of going into knowing where we want to take our business, which is you know getting over a thousand you know thousand transactions next year. So, really just making sure we have the resources to make sure that that can happen.
0: I love it, man. I love it. Um, I want to talk about your your journey, your story a little more. And I think this one will hit close to you is uh, I, I would be willing to bet you would say that something that has helped you during this growth has been some of the ancillary services that you've added. Um, it's probably added some headache and some struggle. But I think it's been massively successful too. Um, so, do you want to talk about someone that's looking to maybe get some ancillary services such as mortgage? I know that you're pretty big in that by now. Um, how has yeah. that process and journey worked for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, like you said, it has been has been a struggle, right? It, it, there are definitely parts where I'm like, oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? Um, so originally, like you know, we we were we've been big by like you know, obviously, like I, I kind of background, online lead generation. That was kind of my background into, you know, growing my business. So we've always been heavy buyers, you know, obviously now nicely, you know, finally, we're getting more on the listing side, but, you know, like last year, we're 80, 20 buyers this year, we're like 70, 30 buyers So still, ha- still very heavy on the buyer side, but ticking down. But, you know, one of the complaints that I had, you know, from running the ISA department from, you know, originally is like, we would send all these leads to get pre-qualified and then they would just fall off the map, you know? Because I had no I had no control over it. And I would that really bothered me because I'm over here spending all these resources, all this time, all this money. And yes, I could get co-marketing back for those, but but the co-marketing only just covers the actual marketing. It's not going to cover the actual profitability that I can that I can use for the real estate team. So was there ever really about making money in the mortgage world, which it obviously turned into that, but it was more just having the that control over they're con, they're part of the lead conversion piece, you know. Um, so, so it definitely has had its struggles, right? Like, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Like, get with the ISA department, you know. Like, I spent like six months, you know, like you said, like I spent six months in the ISA department working almost every day yeah. to get that figured out, right? Same thing with the mortgages. I almost spent probably six months. Um, In the mortgage department, just understanding because it was a new world for me, you know, like what what the uh, what the struggles were on that side of the business. Um, So, so I definitely under, understand it better now, but but, you know, having kind of, you know, where our lenders now are really our t- partners with our team. Um, and they they're really tied into like they want to make sure when they get in front of these people. They want to make sure they get them pre-qualified. They want to make sure they follow up with them. They want to make sure if they don't qualify. Like, what can we do to to get them qualified in the future? Because it's maybe not a, not right now, but we, we want it to we want it to happen at some point because they want it to happen at some point. So really just building out those processes to make that happen has been very rewarding in terms of like, it has allowed us to accelerate growth on the team. And then obviously it has allowed me to make a profit on on the mortgage side, which is obviously, you know, nice to have, especially going into a market where I want to take a little bit more risk, I would say, you know, so it allows me to take a little bit more risk on some of the things I want to do, because I know that there's profitability over there that I can, that I can pass off on. I love it. It, it almost, I hate to
0: use this word. I think it's overused, but it somewhat helps insulate you from the changes in the marketplace, right? Yeah. Vertical, a sound business that is c- consistent, that is, um, that is there. That and you also have an ancillary that is vertically integrated with that consistent business. It sort of helps helps make
1: it easier through tough times, right? Right. And again, it allows us to hit leads from two different perspectives too like yeah. so you know, so allows leads to be hit from a mortgage perspective. and again, like, I would say about thirty three percent of our business from the mortgage side is not tied to my real estate business. It's either other real estate agents it's other real estate agents in our market that are selling those homes that they bring the deal to our because our our loan partner or our loan officers they go out and create relationships with other agents right outside of our team. so that's also nice to getting paid on those deals. but but what's what's been really nice is, you know, what's going to be really nice is, I guess what's really nice in the mortgage world right now is no one is investing in the mortgage world. Like all the mortgage companies, like they're hurting hardcore, right? So because no. they've been so fat and happy. I mean, they were, they you know, real estate company, we think real estate companies got fat and happy during that, but the mortgage companies really got fat and happy. And so, you know, right now they're predicting that they're, you know, 2021 was the peak loan officers, but the number of loan officers in 2024 is going to be half of that number. So there's so much more opportunity to go grab business on that side, and then hopefully facilitate the growth, you know, facilitate that over to the real estate team or use it to attract more agents to our team. So, you know, we're just kind of use it as like this kind of like, we can just create more growth, you know, from both sides of the spectrum.
0: Dude, I love it, and I think I love too that um, the reason that you did it wasn't for the money. You did it so you can help more people, you can convert more of the leads, provide more opportunity for your agents, and give the clients a better experience. Right? We all have worked yeah. with the. There's several, lots of great loan officers out there, but we've all worked with loan officers that um, are probably some of that half that are going to be out of the business, right? Just because they don't understand urgency, customer service, etc. And I think being able to own that experience is is crucial.
1: Yeah, and and I and you know, a lot of the loan officers we worked with before starting, I mean, they were great. But the problem is, is like when you give them so many opportunities, it's just human nature to cherry pick the good opportunities, right? Uh, because they only can work with so many people and, and they're not going to tell you, no, we can't work with people, right? Like, so they're just going to keep taking, you know, more applications and then just cherry pick them. And then really, you know, if you're not tracking it on a very, you know, High level basis on really what's going over there, what's being you know what's being converted, what's not being converted, then you can really be missing out on opportunities that your team should have had because your loan officer is not doing their job. Yeah. And Not necessarily because not not necessarily their fault. They just don't have the bandwidth, right? They just sure. don't have the bandwidth to handle that. And especially when you're doing you know like your your team, my team, doing a lot of buy side deals, it's a lot. It yep. really is. A
0: lot of- I love it, man. Um, dude. We need to wrap this up. I got a I got a hard stop here for another another meeting, but man, this has been great. Um, appreciate your time. Appreciate you sharing as always. Um what yep. is if you have one tip right now for our audience and either real estate leader, real estate agent, what would be that biggest piece of advice that you would leave them with?
1: Man, that's a tough question. Um, I mean, really it's just pick up the phone and make the calls, you know, like, let's get out of, like, we've got lazy with the texting pretty, you know, the post pandemic, but let's just pick up the phone and have the conversations. People are more nervous now because they're getting a lot of, you know, they're hearing a lot of stuff on the news and in the media about like how the real estate market's not great, but we just really need to be having an honest conversation about them. Like, Hey, that's not the actual what's happening. It's a great time to buy. It's a great time to sell. It's a great time to be an agent. Dude, I love it.
0: I love it. Awesome. Well, Steve, thank you so much for your time. If someone wants to reach out to you or to connect, uh, what's the best way for them to find you?
1: Uh, just Facebook, you know, Stephen Meyer's on Facebook. That's usually where I do most of my stuff um, on there. So I'm still old cool. school, I guess.
0: We didn't even talk about what's the name of your team. You're in Wichita, Kansas. What's the name of your real estate team? Urban Cool Homes. Urban Cool Homes. 550 closings this year. What'd you say next
1: year? A thousand? That's we're shooting for a thousand. Yeah. I got to right. catch
0: you. Best best of luck, my friend. And thank you so much. And guys, thank you so all much right, for listening. Um, it's been a pleasure. As always, this is a passion project. I do this to give back to this industry. It's given so much to me and my family. So all that I ask is if you found value from this episode, share this with a friend. This is a message that other people need to share. This is a movement to give back to this industry. We don't want the right people to get out of this industry because they don't have the right information. And so that is our goal. So share this with a friend and we will see you guys next time.